Welcome to Unlocking the Fitness Industry. I am your host, Jake Abel. I'm a two-time natural pro, a cellular athlete, and we're going to find the best way to get fit, to enter your competitions, and to look your best. So, here we go. Let's get into the episode. And welcome back, guys. Another podcast. Here we go. So today I'm going to nerd out more than ever because I am super hyped to have the first ever Australian warrior. It took four years in Australia and we've got him onto the show today. So I'm going to introduce you guys to Ben Polson. Say hello, Ben. Hello, guys. How are we? Thanks for having me on, Jake. Appreciate it, bro. Not a problem. This is going to be an exciting one for me. Um, I'm going to try and level it to anyone who doesn't watch the show as much. Um, and try and explain it like some of the obstacles. We might get a little nerdy with some of the terminology. And yep. um, I know definitely oh, doing ninja myself, like people get pretty serious about <laughs> ninja. Um, yeah, they so, do. So it's a lot crazier than I thought. So we'll give some insights on the background of the show and kind of all the type of training and nutrition that goes into obviously Ben taking out um, Ninja Warrior Australia and the journey to go into that. So to start that, Ben is pretty much... Ninja has only been around in Australia for four years, a little bit longer in America. Where did you kind of get into fit, like fitness and decide that this was what you wanted to do? Uh, yeah, so where it started for me, I mean, I, I, growing up, I was one of those kids which just played a bazillion different sports. Like um, I had a very addictive personality. Um, so I went from like basketball, you know, being a tall kid, uh, to then football and then lacrosse and then athletics and swimming. And, and I tried a little bit of everything and uh, I never really found that one kind of thing, which I stuck to any longer than six months to a year. Uh, and then, so as I went on, eventually I started just hitting the gym, you know, just trying to get big, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, just like, I feel like a lot of guys go through that phase of just doing it purely for the aesthetics. Uh, and that was good. It taught me a lot, taught me to push myself a little bit harder mentally um, if I wanted to get those gains and to only rely on myself as opposed to being in a team environment a lot of the time growing up. And I kind of preferred that actually. I think I learned that I like to just rely on myself yeah. for that motivation, for that push. Um, one, because I can't let anyone else down when I mess up. But two, um, I don't have to rely on anyone else. Yeah. Um, so that was good. And then I actually moved swiftly from there into CrossFit, uh, which I was probably the fittest I've ever been in my entire life, even through Ninja and everything, um, was during CrossFit, just because it's got that cardio mm. um, you know, involved as well. But, but from there, uh, Ninja Academy in Perth opened up. And for me, I've been watching Ninja Warrior since, uh, like watching it on SBS when I was like a kid, it was like late night, like you know, 12, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and this weird Japanese ninja show would come on. And, and I'm sure you, you've probably seen it yourself. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome to watch. It was really cool. And, and, and as a young, you know, 12-year-old boy or whatever, it was kind of one of those things where I was always climbing trees and running around and stuff and doing backflips off cars. And I thought that would be a lot of fun. But uh, there was nothing in the mainstream, you know, uh, Western world that existed. So when America picked it up, can't remember how much longer after that. America's up to like season 12 now, I think, 11 or 12. Um, when they picked it up, I thought, wow, now that Western world's taken it on board and it's they've kind of, you know, like America does, it pumps it up, makes it mainstream, uh, does a really good job of, of almost like gamifying it. Uh, so everyone 
can watch it and get get along and feel the characters and stuff like that. Uh, so that's when I kind of got a little bit real. And then when the Ninja Gym opened up in Perth, there was still no show in Australia and no word that there would be a show. But I thought I'd go down there and swing around and just, you know, have a bit of fun and just try something new. Once again, my addictive personality kicked in and it was the new shiny thing. Um, so coming from CrossFit, I had some fundamentals of, of movement there through like a lot of the, the kipping that they do and the kind of the bar movements. And while people laugh at it, like the kipping pull-ups and the butterfly pull-ups, it actually taught me a lot and it gave me a bit of a head start with, with Ninja, uh, along with the strength um, as well. Uh, unfortunately, cardio wasn't really needed in Ninja, so my cardio dropped pretty quickly, uh, but my strength increased in, in other ways. So yeah, I started Ninja Academy, started moving around there, swinging around there. At the start, it was just, you know, purely just to try something new. And then eventually um, I started to realize, oh, I'm actually not too bad at this. I've got the long arms, you know. Um, I've always had really skinny legs. That can, I can jump high, I can run fast, but um, they've never been big or heavy. And that's actually come in a huge advantage with Ninja, um, which, is, which is good because, you know, I'm a lower weight for my height. I'm about 85 kilos and about 195 centimeters, so six foot four. Um, so I'm quite lean, but um, yeah, that come in handy. And, and uh, as time went on, started entering competitions and then I started winning those local competitions. And I was yep. like, damn, like I've never actually done this well in any particular sport before. Um, so from there, it was maybe, I'd say nine months to 12 months later, the show was announced in Australia. Yeah. And I was like, hey, here we go. You know, like season one, um, I had like long blonde hair at the time and uh, I thought may as well apply. Um, did you apply for season two, was it, Jake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on season two. Um, so was, I had the backing that, like, I, I, I don't know where, like, I missed that first because we had a very similar upbringing, like, very, like, I was not sport, like, sport-orientated. I was all in the gym, that type of stuff. And, um, yeah, I watched season one and all of those type of things. And then it's, like, that one guy that you probably hear, like, everyone's on the couch, like, I could do that. And it's, yeah. like, yeah. that's yeah. the point nice. when it's... Uh, yeah, you're there on the day. So where'd you of come course. up with that application for uh, season one? Um, I think because I was in, I, I guess I was uh, at the beginning of the ninja community when it mm. first started evolving. Uh, I heard about it pretty quickly from the gym owner, yeah. Dave Ravi. Um, you know, I, I owe my life to Dave Ravi. I really do. If he didn't open up Ninja Academy, I don't know where I'd be. And I, I, I would be very doubtful that I ever would have won the show if he had not made that decision to open it up because he came from an accounting background and it was a bit of a, a dream of his to get out of that world and move into the more fitness and, and um, personal growth world. And was, uh, I'm that gym pure ninja or was it like a... No, no it, it's actually, um, look, it has, uh, it has many different facets. So it has ninja, it has rock climbing, it has a gymnastics floor, has like a calisthenics rig and then has a parkour section yeah. um, as well. So it has a fair bit of stuff. Um, which is which is good because because being good at ninja is one thing, but you'll find a lot of the best ninjas are also either gymnasts or rock climbers or parkour athletes. So to have a gym which offers all four of those, yeah. um, I think gives you a huge leg up as opposed to just doing purely only ninja. Um, I think I, I rarely know any of the best ninjas which just do ninja, like all of your Ashlyn Herberts and your Charlie Robinsons and Zach Stoltz. All of those guys all do uh, gymnastics every single week. So, um, yeah, and then I like Bryson Klein and Fred Darrington, who I live with. Fred won season one. Bryson's done extremely well here and in America. They, they're all big rock climbers. So, kind of need a little bit of everything. Um, 
but yeah, so, so that opened up and, you know, I kind of, the first season one applications, I think that the TV show is working itself, like working itself out because the production crew was trying to work everything out for the first time and they were overindulging in certain areas and probably the budget was huge and, mm. and all this kind of stuff. So it was a big, big production and they spent probably a lot more time and money and effort into certain things, which now they realize aren't as necessary. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot involved in season one and season two compared to season three and season four, I found. Um, I feel like they kind of dulled it down a little bit, made it easier for us, didn't require so much of our time and energy and just did what they needed as far as shoots and photos and interviews. And then um, even the fitness test is way easier on uh, the fourth uh, season four than uh, season one and two. Yeah. I, how did you find the fitness test in season two? Do you remember it? Yeah, we did. I smoked it. I actually landed from a plane from LA. I was two weeks uh, post-show um, doing oh, okay. bodybuilding show. So I was so light. So I, my cardio was through the roof. And um, yeah, I was in Melbourne doing that one. Landed straight to the ninja thing. I was all hyped up on American time and uh, ended up, yeah, just smashing through. We did like the holds and planks. And I just think for me, it was competitive. Like, I just went in like, cause especially you're nervous and all of those type of things. And um, yeah, I just took it on a like, crazy competition and kind of just tried to smoke it. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then ended up on, on the islands when they, it was in Sydney and mm. yeah, that, that was in, intense. Like the whole experience is just crazy. It's crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's and, when we were camping on the island, eh? Yeah. It's like <laughs> hot, like really hot mornings. You wake up at like 6am and it's like it's seagulls and, well, I, I don't know if you were in my one in season two that there was like that crazy thunderstorm. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think uh, I oh, I, I certainly heard about it. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it delayed a lot of stuff, didn't it? It must have been my heats that we had like overnight. There was legit like the craziest lightning storm, rain, and we're all in these tents just getting hammered. Uh, <laughs> crazy. It's so, not what you expect though when you see it on TV. You don't expect yeah. that those ninjas then go off to these tents. Um, yeah. 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 And, then, and that's with like, the, the backing side, I guess, that in the end, where what I learned very fast was kind of like the first person I met going into the ninja, like at the airport and all that, she was an Olympic um, Olympic gymnast. And I've kind of come in off my bodybuilding show, just like, oh, okay, cool, oh. gymnast. And then I think the second one was Jordi Papadreas. And he was on yeah. bloody Instagram doing flips. I was like, holy hell, I'm out of my depth. And then <laughs> uh, third person was, yeah, um, Ashlyn Herbert. And I was like, oh. yeah, sure. so, so it's like kind of cool that like you met them straight away. But my initial thing was like, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm just like this bodybuilder. Um, yeah. That's kind of got in. And that kind of takes us to like the builds of say what you, you've seen four seasons of different people come across um, mm -hmm. when you have come. You kind of mentioned that you're, you've got long legs, you're quite light fit in your frame. You can, you've got an insane reach. Um, mm -hmm. Does the physique in that, kind of alter you from what you've seen over over time like um, the people in the finals are they all very similar yeah it's 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 a good question because i find ninja is one of those unique sports where if you lined up a bunch of you know 10 people um just standing in a line it would be very hard to pick who's going to win ninja warrior mm. because you look at like like, I, and it's very rare to have a sport like that, I, I find, because you can have people which are tall like myself. Um, there's, there's advantages, but there's a lot of disadvantages. You know, for instance, the tall guys in America, they, they don't last in the slightest. In fact, there's a, no, no one over like six foot has got 
even either into stage three or past the cliffhanger on stage three. Like, cause, and that's where I felt when I went to America as well, because there's just certain pros and cons to, to everything. I will admit it, I'd rather be almost taller than average than shorter than average, maybe when it comes to Ninja Warrior. Um, however, you look at Charlie Robinson, who's not, he's not super tall at all, especially not compared to me. Uh, and he, you know, won last year and comes second by one second, unfortunately, this year. Uh, he does incredibly well. Um, so, yeah, I think over time, you know, I've, uh, I've realized you really can't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. And then there's a few fundamentals which, which you can point out that I've learned over the years, such as one, being lightweight. There's no disadvantage to being lightweight compared to heavier. You just have to be as light as possible for Ninja. It's always going to help. Um, number two, having a long arm span. You don't necessarily have to be tall, but if you have a long arm span, it's going to help quite a lot. Um, well, we call it the ape index, um, which is kind of your height uh, versus your finger to finger span. Uh, so for instance, uh, mine is plus nine. I think I've got plus nine centimeters width than I do what my height is, which is quite a lot. On average, you're probably meant to be about even with your height. Um, so I've got a huge advantage there. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, other things like obviously yeah, being slightly tall is gonna be an advantage, but, but not all the time. Um, and then even in season one, I remember walking in and it was kind of that, that feeling of you walk in it and there's zero expectations of anything. And you're seeing all these random people around you and you kind of, you got this internal belief of how you might perform compared to these random people purely based off appearance. Right? I think that's what everyone just naturally has in your head. Maybe I'm assuming as a bodybuilder, you probably have that quite, quite well. You're walking around and you can see someone else and you kind of compare immediately and, and that's just part of who we are as, as humans. But walking into season one, I certainly had that in my head. And I'd see a lot of really lean, um, kind of skinnier guys. And I was like, oh, like, how do they how do they get through the fitness yeah. test? Why are they here? Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. I, I didn't quite understand it myself. And there's one guy in particular, Fred Dorrington, who's who's my housemate lives here. And I remember meeting him and, and uh, my first thought, because he's wearing this really Aussie hat, these Aussie boots, and he's just kind of plodding along. And he's not like a massive build or anything. And I was like, Who, who's this guy? And he looked like a Russell Coit almost. Um, and, and he ended up going and winning the whole season. Yeah. He, he came first, so the whole season, right? And, I, and throughout, the season, uh, throughout that season, I remember talking to him more and more and more and seeing how he operates, seeing how he works. And um, by the end of the season, I really opened my eyes to go, wow, you can't judge a book by its cover. Um, and I kind of got put in my place a little yeah. bit there. And the ego took a little bit of a hit and gone, man, like it's really not about how you look. It's mm. more about how you perform. Strength-wise, yes, but uh, more body awareness. And I think that's probably the difference if we were to move on to now, like the different facets of fundamentals of Ninja and maybe why the skinnier guys um, seem to do so well um, is because people think of Ninja as strength. They just always think like, you just got to be strong because it's the obvious thing. Like it's, as a viewer, you're sitting there and that's the main thing that you actually see um, because everyone is kind of relative, uh, quite knowledgeable on what strength is. But when yeah. it comes to body awareness and coordination, it's not as obvious when you're watching someone, whether they've got really good coordination or not. Mm. A lot of those people just referred to as Ashlyn Herbert. He just makes it look easy. Yeah. But he makes it look easy because his coordination and body awareness is amazing and really uh, undervalued, I think. Um, people just think he's super strong and he's a go-getter. He takes risks. But when I watch him, I know that he moves really well and it's probably from gymnastics. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think if, 
your um, your strength won't uh, limit your, your body awareness will limit your strength yeah. quite a lot. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. people don't understand that. If you've got really bad body awareness or coordination and you don't know how to swing on a bar, it doesn't matter how strong you are. It has almost nothing to do with it. You're not going to be able to go very far in the competition and you'll end up falling back on what you know, which is I'll just muscle my way through this because I don't know how to use my body properly. And then you gas out after two obstacles. Yeah. Um, and people think that guy's not strong enough when actually that guy's well strong enough. He's just not very good at, at, at body awareness or coordination. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. where I found like a lot of those in my heats, the bodybuilders were, we're very strong in this motion, this motion. But then when you start mm. using those rotations and instead of pressing and pulling, um, those like, like monkey bar type of motions and the lache type of motions and all that kind of stuff. I think that's where a lot of those bodybuilders fall short, um, especially holding their own body weight. But um, any type of those movements where the, I guess the lighter guys with a longer arm reach have less tension and all of those type, yeah. type of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, how, how, what was your background before? You know, I know you do um, competition bodybuilding yeah. and stuff, but other than that, like had you already had any sort of sport which required a lot of that coordination? Yeah. Awesome. Pretty much everything going into bodybuilding. I was like the, for bodybuilding, like an overall athlete. So like I would be doing like my bench press super heavy, lock it up and then do box, box jump backflips. Like I, I was at a stage where I could have gone CrossFit and gone super hardcore at CrossFit. And for me, I'm the same as you, addictive personality. I would have been like everything in CrossFit or everything in yeah. bodybuilding. And I was right at that split and I kind of went the bodybuilding way um, from skateboarding, jumping down stair sets of 12s. And so I was very good at aerial type of like knowing coordination, fine tuning, yep. things like that. I think what got me after the show, because I kind of just showed up legit on the day. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was fine doing planks because that's all gym stuff. It's not testing any ninja type of skills, hang, dead hangs and all that are fine in the fitness test. Yeah. I showed up on the day and looking at these obstacles, like everything just looked bigger on the day like compared to tv yeah, sure. i tried to watch people and like on the last season one and in america and then i kind of like like really was like oh i'm gonna have to really use like kind of almost technique um mm. basis around it but in the end it was like i was like when i was the last one on on my heat 2 a.m and mm. uh just like pat truck pound through it because i knew knew yeah, a few nice. people yeah. made it um yeah. so i was like power through and I got right up to the last grip of like a single handle before the wall on the heat. So okay. I got me into the semis. Um, yeah. So, you, so you, you never got that buzzer buzzer moment hitting the buzzer. Nah, oh, hey. water. <laughs> a lot of water, but I think like my whole, well, what I've taken away from that is with the ninja, I kind of went in knowing nothing and then went for the semis. I had, I think a week to train and I was so focused on my bodybuilding comp that I just didn't even worry about it until I was there. That yeah. when I had that two weeks to train, then I went and did went to a local gym down here. We were lucky to have a ninja gym down here and do lache training and like just like Ross terrible at rope climbs and things like so. I just like practiced a little bit more, but that was only two yeah. weeks of training. Um, yeah. So it wasn't a great deal. But since then, um, then I've changed like even now because like talking to a lot of those calisthenic dudes and they're all jacked, like legit yeah. look like they could get on stage. They're lean. You look at, um, Deadly Ninja, Jack, Jack Wilson, yeah. uh, all of those boys. And they've got like, I, I like go to them. I'm like, you are not far off stage. You're just as lean as me. And all <laughs> you do is calisthenics. Yeah, so, I know. That, 
kind of taken a little bit of fitness from those guys and taken some advice, started like a lot of calisthenics, doing like um, a lot more levers and things like that and adding that into my weight training where I was very dom- just old school bodybuilding, powerlifting. Yeah, sure. And now yeah. I reckon I'll, I'll, I'll do a lot better eventually down the track. Yeah, yeah. And that no, goes in, into yeah, like per- perfect take on to the next question is like you went into season one. Um, how'd you go in season one? Uh, season one, I can't, I think I came ninth overall. So yep. I made it to stage two of the grand final. Um, okay. uh, that was like yeah. Time, hey, that, like, that, yeah, that was, that, that was, um, that was one of the best moments of Ninja because it's, it's one of those, that was the wake up call for me of the, of the philosophy of either you, you either win or you learn. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of people like failure to me is only really if you don't take that opportunity to, to learn something. Um, mm-hmm. If you just accept the feet and go, oh, this was the worst thing ever. See you later. I'm never coming back to the show. Um, but, you know, for me it, on that stage two, because I'd hit every single buzzer from the qualifiers to the semifinals and the stage one. And then when we got to stage two, my ego was like my head was getting big. You know, uh, it, it really was. And we're down to the final uh, nine or ten contestants. And I thought, let's go, this is it. And we got put in this tunnel. Um, we saw the stage and the crowd was there, we're about to go out. And uh, we got put in this kind of like tunnel area, which I'm sure you remember we did some shots in there. And um, uh, we're all kind of waiting in there one by one, almost like gladiators that would take us down this tunnel. The rest of the boys would be like, yeah, come on, you go, let's go, deadly, you know, Jack Wilson. And we'd get taken out. Um, but we're not allowed to watch them in case we get some beta or, or you know, or for the listeners that are listening, beta is... Uh, essentially like technique or, or I forget where the term comes from, but it's, um, I'll use it. I'll use the word beta a lot. I'm just mean like learning certain techniques from other people. Um, anyway, so we weren't allowed to watch and one by one people would go out and, uh, I didn't really know any of these guys. That's the final nine, 10 people. And they're just kind of ran, bun, random bunch of guys, uh, standing there ready to go out to this final stage. Hopefully someone will win. And one by one, everyone just, We'd hear them go out and we'd listen for the crowd to ju- judge where they, get, where they get to. And then very quickly, we'd kind of see red flashing lights yeah. after like the first obstacle. We're like, what is going on out there? It's yeah. a bloodbath. Like, it didn't look that hard when we saw the testers do it. Let's, you know, this is crazy. And so I was like, I've got this. Come on, let's go. You know, I'll be right. These guys are just messing up for some silly reason. And I remember going out there, standing on stage. And that same day, I called my parents that morning and said, Hey guys, I just made it to stage two. There's only 10 people left. Um, the production would love to fly you over from Perth. Um, if you want to come watch and they both had work and stuff that day, but they were like, all right, sick. That sounds good. And so they flew over, they canceled work and they flew over that same day, got there just in time to watch at night. Um, and then I, the beeper started and I ran out and I instantly just messed up the first obstacle and was immediately disqualified because I went off the side of the platform in this rope jungle. And uh, my dad was just pissing himself laughing on the <laughs> sideline, just losing his shit. And I felt so, I felt so crap. I really did because all this big head ego of like, I've got this, I've never failed a course yet, you know, 100% success rate. And then to fail on the first obstacle with my parents who had just flown over, canceled work and everything. Um, I felt like a bit of a douchebag, to be honest. Um, long and, uh, from WA to Sydney. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then they had to fly back the next morning. So, yeah, they flew over just to see their son fail straight away. Um, but, but, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a wake-up call for me to kind of go, look, you can't underestimate the obstacles. And it was a lesson that I really needed to learn 
um, so I could come back in season two and kind of keep my ego in check and to make sure that I really watch the testers and learn as much as I can to not make a silly, silly, simple mistake. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I appreciate that value. I'm glad I, I stuffed up that bad because it locked in my head that I never want to do that again. Yeah. So. And then I guess like going into season two, like you kind of known around people would have seen you and kind of had an eye on you watching um, mm. as sort of kind of community was starting to build after that first season in Australia. Um, yep. And then I guess, yeah, a whole lot of other people in. Um, then as you started to go, so each like that, that learning on it's like a perfect bodybuilding type of thing as well is like every, you always get feedback no matter how good you are. If you win, there's always something you can do better. Um, yep. and constantly learning from that. So then like coming from that season one, obviously you did your training change from what you were doing beforehand. Was it like more ninja focus now instead of rock climbing, CrossFit, those type of things as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely changed. Uh, my perspective changed a lot and uh, my, you know, my perspective kind of changed from a little bit from, Oh, this is just a show which I'll go and have a crack at. And if I even just, if I hit one single buzzer, I'll be astonished and I'll be amazed. So then all of a sudden hitting three that season and getting in the top 10, my perspective changed to kind of go, maybe I should take this a little bit more serious and properly train, not just train because it's fun and that's it. Like that's the main reason. That's usually number one for me just because I enjoy it. That's, that's why. But now there's that little bit of a bigger picture of, well, maybe I could actually do quite well in this. And also that fear of wanting to back up season one to prove to myself and prove to Australia and whoever was watching that it wasn't just a fluke. Um, Cause I hold consistency in such high regard um, with all sports. Um, like a lot of people can have one really good season, but then they fade away and you never hear of them again. But the people that stay on top and are consistently good. Um, I have a lot of respect for that. And especially in the sport of Ninja Warrior, where if you make one single mistake, you are out of the competition most of the time, unless it's the first two rounds, uh, and which even still, you might not make it through the top 15 competitors and you are out. So um, it's extra hard to be consistent in Ninja Warrior when one mistake and you're out. Um, and I so with that consistency as well, that it comes down to like, to a certain event, like, you've got 80% that's going to be like high skill, but you could be the most skilled person. And we've seen it with a lot of athletes before. And then it's just like almost that little bit of luck on a spinning log or the bridge of blades or something like that, that it's like sometimes that it just can be that tiny little, I guess like no matter how skilled you are, it's just those micro micro little things that you step the wrong way on the rolling log or something like that. And it's almost like that luck factor has to be on your side as well. Yeah, like usually I don't like using the term luck, yeah. but however, in this case, I feel like it, there's, I can't think of a better word than yeah. luck. Like yeah. I feel like there is just that bit of luck with Ninja Warrior um, that's 99 out of 100 times you might run across something and be fine, but something happens and your foot just doesn't land right and all yeah. of a sudden your whole season's over and all of that, the, the whole year of training is just like finished. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, like so. Yeah, I hold I hold consistency in high regard, and I think over the seasons, over season one and season two, my training definitely increased more. Um, the competitions, I started doing way more competitions, and instead of just rocking up and going, oh, I'll just have a bit of fun, let's see what happens. My mindset was more, 
um, I want to take this serious and I want to win this competition. And that was the main goal, not just to swing around and see what happens, but to actually win. Yeah. A bit of that was the pressure I put on myself from doing, being successful in the show. And then now having some kids coming to the comps and watching, and now you want to impress the kids and like that kind of ego thing starts to build up a little bit. You know, you get recognized at, you know, chemist warehouse every now and then or something like that after season one. So, you know, those things start to happen and you go, Oh, okay. Um, I want to, I like this feeling and I want to keep it going. And yeah. um, you can either choose to be afraid of stuffing up because like people have expectations of you and oh no, what if I stuff up, blah, 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 blah. Um, or you can use it to fuel you to go, people see me as a certain top 10 character. That's because I am that person and I've got this and I can do it. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I remember Rocky up for season two and you know, you meet the new ninjas like yourself. That would have been your first season and you meet the new ninjas. And it's funny to hear some new ninjas rock up and they go, Oh, I'm so scared. I've got so much pressure on me to do well. Yeah. And you're like, what? what do you mean? Like, oh, I've got so much pressure because like, it's my first season. So everyone's going to be watching me and I feel so much, you know, pressure to perform. And then you hear someone, which is like, maybe like myself who rocks up, and I would say the exact same thing, yeah. but we're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum, right? And it's so strange to me, like once someone that's done really well feels the pressure and someone that's brand new feels pressure. And for me, that kind of taught me, well, actually then we decide how much pressure we have on us and what expectations we have on us. Um, because if someone that's brand new and someone that's super experienced both feel the same expectations, they've created that in their own head, like realistically. Yeah. Um, that kind of that, that kind of fear of oh I got to do well I don't want to mess up kind of thing. Mm. Um, so the hardest part for me is taking control of those thoughts um, as you get closer and closer to season two. You know that luckily that was good for me. Season two I ended up like seventh, so I backed it up from season one. Um, and uh, then coming into season three, I was you know the ego was more. It was like you know, I was confident within myself and I backed it up twice. And now it's a little bit more, more of a character of the show. Yeah. Um, so coming into season three, uh, you know, you know, the producers a little better, you know, you might get, you know, some extra food in the green room cause you're a celebrity <laughs> and like <laughs> whatever it is like, but you enjoy that process. But at the same time for me, it was more like, okay, well now I actually really do want to win this cause we're up to season three now. No one's won, but yeah. someone's going to win soon because the show wants a winner. Uh, at some point, they'll make the course, uh, I would say, easier for people to get through. Yeah. Uh, season two was the hardest ninja course, stage two and three, I've almost ever seen. It seemed impossible. Mm. Uh, season one was hard because it was timed. Season two was hard because it was just ridiculously pumpy and crazy. Um, but when it got to season three and I saw what the stages were when that first day rocked up, I thought they want a winner because they, yeah. they've made it easy enough for people to get through. Um, and yeah. so, uh, yeah, I think, unfortunately for me, I ended up having my worst season ever, <laughs> which uh, is one of those things where people go, oh, well, if you say you can win and you think you can win in season three and you truly believe it. And at that time, I was, I was big on like law of attraction and like really trying to visualize that success. And the more I'd visualize it and believe that it's possible for me to reach that kind of peak, it's more likely for it to happen. 
Mm. And I believe that to be true because the opposite is, is true. I mean, scientific studies will show that people that have that doubt within their mind and fear of failing and, oh, what if I mess up? What if I mess up? They're actually more likely to mess up because of that. Yeah. Um, so the people that are sitting back in the green room and visualizing themselves stuffing up on a balance obstacle and they're freaking out, it's more likely that they're actually going to stuff it up because when they get there, they've just been playing it in their head and now they're super nervous. Um, they overthink it and then something goes wrong. Um, so do I try and do the opposite? The whole time after watching the testers, I was watching that, they had that rolling split log and I just mm -hmm. kept thinking, I'm like, am I just going to try and jump to that like middle bit or am I going to try and do it? And I just kept going over, over, over. And I like this log, like I could get through everything else, like salmon ladder, all of those type of things I thought was not a problem. There's a trampoline obstacle that I was like, shouldn't be a problem. And it was just this log. And then as soon as I took one step on the log, I just yeeted off like, straight yeah, away. But that's where you came off in season two. Yeah, in the, in the yeah, season two in the semis. Semi, semi-finals, yeah. 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 Oh, man, that's brutal. Yeah. And I, it was just, yeah. And it was an easier heat like of, of that semi-finals just because I think um, a lot of it was a lot of like Lachey stuff, which is probably like my strengths. Um, mm -hmm versus like kind of hangy, hangy things, but yeah. that's just the play of the game. In season three for you there, um, where you've come off in the, it was the semis, I'm pre pretty um, sure. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yep, semi yeah, so yeah. Coming into that, like you, you were expecting, you've done the, you were in the finals in the last couple of uh, years, the last two years before that, you fell off in the semis when everyone's kind of expecting that you're going to do a lot better. Um, then the season after that, you come back and won. And like, mm. I obviously see, like I've had the same kick in the teeth that almost, do you think that you would have trained as hard for the next 12 months if you didn't have that little bit of like ego hit, the kick into the teeth that kind of put that grit in the eye to then take your training to the next level and then come back mm. and then the rest was history for, for, for season four. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really well put there um, and great question because you pretty much hit the nail on the head. For, for me, going into season three was a season which the first season I properly believed that I could win the whole thing. I was like, I'm actually capable of winning this now. I, I know I am. Like physically, like I've got, I've got all the elements ready. I'm in good health. Season three is here. I actually, I want to win this and I believe that I can. Where season one and two was more of like, I'm just here for the ride and, and oh, I did really well. That's cool. Um, so it's funny to have that mindset going in and feeling really confident, not overconfident, not like arrogant, but yeah. confident in my own abilities. And then to make that mistake and have the worst season ever. For me, I was kind of like, oh, I thought I could do it. Like I thought, I thought this would be the season. I was, I'm more ready than ever. And then I have the worst season ever. And then I want to come around. I went through that phase, which a lot of ninjas have been through. And I hadn't been through at that point, which is the kind of post ninja blues mm. of knowing you could have done so much better. Um, and you're so much more capable of where you fell and uh, it sucks. And it plays over and over in your head. What should I have done differently? You know? <laughs> and it gets you really down. It really does get you down. And for me, it was the first time I ever dealt with that. Yeah, like, man, this sucks. This feeling sucks. It's so shit. And it's almost and, like um, a double-edged sword because you feel that like shit after the show, and then you got to relive it six months later. <laughs> when it, when it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It, it is very double-edged, but at the same time, 
it's either it's double shit or double awesome. Like you do well and then you get to watch it and everyone sees you do well or you yeah. do shit and, and same thing. So, so yeah, you're right. When, when it come up on air, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to do talks, talks at um, primary schools and stuff. And before the show airs and the kids are like, Oh, you won, didn't you? Oh, we can tell, you know? And I was like, Oh yeah, just watch the show. You'll see. And then knowing that I've had the worst season ever, it's kind of, yeah. um, but for me, that was the learning curve, which I really, really needed to then be completely ready for season four. Um, because after that, I dealt with those post-Ninja Blues. And once it was done, I'd worked a lot on my mental training to deal with that and to not let it get to me. Because when something like that happens, you can either go down the road of fear of, oh man, that really sucked. And I want to avoid that feeling. I don't ever want to feel that crap feeling again. So I'm either going to be afraid to do competitions again, which a lot of ninjas are. They're afraid to either compete on the show or do any competitions because they hate that feeling of messing up. Um, or you choose the, the feeling which I went for, which was like, you know what? That actually wasn't that bad. I, I dealt with it. Life goes on. No one really cares that I fell apart from me. And, you know, like, like everyone's supportive. Everyone's happy. It's just a show. Life goes on. Um, let's come back next year and, and beat it. And because I dealt with it really well at the time, um, I, probably, I probably had about a week of feeling really down. And then after that, I was like, okay, the thoughts are playing in my head. I'm getting really like almost depressed now because it's just playing, 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 playing while I'm watching everyone else still competing and then get to stage three and then almost win the show. And I'm just like watching this going, this should be me, you know? Yeah. But I was grateful to be in the show. I was grateful to like, I come back to gratitude. I come back to all those things, which I know keep me in a good mental space. Um, and so I ended up dealing with it pretty well after the first week and, and I got over it and I went back into training and um, moving into season four, uh, I was now no longer afraid to mess up. Um, and that was really powerful to me. And it almost gave me permission to just like go full send, and just go yeah. for it. Because I find you that if I fell again, which I actually did in semifinals and we'll get to that shortly, I'm sure. Um, but if I fell again or if I was out of the competition, that, I, I'll, I know I'll be okay and I won't get like super down or anything like that. Um, and I guess, and so I guess that gave me permission to just go. Yeah, from that season three, like it seemed that from the videos that I obviously went over prior to this interview and it was more that like you, you burnt out through the kind of forearms on that cardio kind of side where you said at the start that your cardio kind of started to lack from the CrossFit days as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, almost working on that and to know is like always knowing your weaknesses and then sharpening your weaknesses to become a strength. Yes. Yeah. Big time, big time. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot, there was a lot of things which I learned from stuffing up in season three. Um, like I said, the previous two seasons I'd hit every single qualifier semifinal stage one buzzer, like not just got through, but like completed every single obstacle through all of those stages, first two seasons. So I had like, the biggest, the fastest way for me to learn is to make mistakes. And I hadn't made too many mistakes in the first two seasons, which is awesome. Yeah. But I'm glad that I actually did learn a mistake in, in season three. And I learned a lot from that one mistake, um, which really, really helped me in season four. So, um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. So you've talked about kind of mindset is very important. Training is very important. What do you guys do? So, like, I know everyone's very individual, but your take on nutrition is that something that you really look forward to to keep a certain weight or do you train for performance or what, what, what do you do for that yeah i get asked this i definitely get asked this question quite a lot um nutrition and, and and stuff like that so for me i 
I guess my philosophy with nutrition is I've learned a lot over the years about, you know, the fundamentals of what's healthy, what's not healthy. Mm. Uh, and I know people have their own version of healthy and they'll probably disagree on some things, but I feel like there are just straight fundamentals of healthy food and unhealthy food, like your vegetables and your, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I've learned that. And I know that in the back of my head, I know that if I eat too much chocolate or drink too much dairy, it upsets my stomach or like all that kind of stuff. I've learned that over the years. So now I'm at the point where, um, and I've, I've gone through the calorie counting and the prepping yeah. chicken and brown rice. And like, I've done all of that stuff over the years as well. Mm. And it's kind of led me to a point uh, where now I just stick to certain core foods, which I know I enjoy eating yeah. and are easy to make. Um, and I don't overcomplicate it. I think the biggest mistake I made previously is I just make it so complex for myself that I either resent the whole process of eating and keeping a good diet um, or I don't stick to it because I do it for a week or two, I'm motivated and then I just like lose it. And it's that yo-yo diet kind of thing that people mm. talk about. So for me, I just keep it super, super straight to the fundamentals um, and uh, just stay, consist stay consistent and make it really easy and easy for myself. I think like that's, that's number one thing, make it easy. So I'll actually buy, um, I've signed it occasionally to like meal prep kind of companies because they make it even easier now. Yeah. Um, and I'll look into them and make sure I'm not getting just some, some crappy one or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if I'm making stuff myself, I'll honestly just keep it to like even frozen veggies, a bunch of heaps of frozen veggies and then some salads or some tuna or some salmon, you know, if I'm feeling fancy, you know, I want $400,000. So you can buy that salmon now. <laughs> that ninja money. But yeah, that ninja money. Um, yeah, so for me, it's like at the moment, for instance, day to day right now, if people are really wondering kind of what I'm eating, I'll literally go down to Coles and I'll buy like a $5 packet of like this pre-mixed salad. And then I'll buy some sort of fish, either tuna, salmon, or some sort of other hake or something. Um, fry that up, cook that up, and just have it with a salad. That's kind of like lunchtime or nighttime. Um, I'll eat a lot of yogurt, which I know is actually not great for me, but it's kind of my like treat food, I guess. Yeah. Um, just like froth yogurt. It's, I think it's delicious. <laughs> um, and then in the mornings, I have my same. I have my same thing. I've had it for the past few years, which is a smoothie. Um, I used to have oats and just kind of be big on oats. But I found if I'm going to have a meal, which is going to fill me up in the morning, I might as well have something with a whole lot of nutritional value. I don't feel like oats has a lot. It's kind of just like a filler. Mm -hmm. um, so now I'll have a smoothie every single day. I've been doing this for years, which is kind of like a banana, blueberry, uh, avocado, peanut butter um, vibe and with some protein powder. Yep. Um, and every, every morning, every morning I'll have that it kind of kickstarts my day. So, and if you're about to go and do a heat, you're about to go and run on the day. This is one thing that blew my mind is like, I'm sitting there watching Ashlyn Herbert chug two liters of milk <laughs> 30 minutes before he gets on. And I'm like, this ain't going to end well, but he did it in like 30 seconds. So I don't think it even did. Crazy. Yeah. That, uh, that guy, the whole Melbourne crew. I love all of those guys. They're hilarious to, 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 to hang out with. Um, but they really are just super relaxed when it comes to, just like the show and Ninja. And yeah. I think that I think their philosophy in life is like, whatever we're going to do, we just want to have fun while we're doing yeah. it. Like that's the main thing. And if that means we're on the show and we have like a couple beers on the day of the show, you know, like just hanging out before we then go to the, like, or whatever it might be, drinking two liters of milk, as you say, um, 
they'll just do it because they're so relaxed. And I think it keeps them in that relaxed mode. Yeah. And to be honest, that I kind of have the same philosophy when it comes to prepping for some sort of competition. Um, I understand a lot of people, probably very much within your circle as well, um, you would be cutting, you'd be bulking and then cutting and then you'd be changing a fair bit of stuff and then like dehydrating yourself, you know, a day or, or before the comp and stuff like that. Yep. For, for me, um, my philosophy is that I kind of just keep the same consistent ways of operating as far as my diet, what I consume, if I drink coffee or not, all the way up until competition day and throughout. I think for me, if I perform really well in my training throughout the year and the local comps throughout the year, I don't know why people all of a sudden decide, okay, now one week out or two weeks out, I'm going to completely change everything. Yeah. I'm like, for us, it's like, it's two, two to five minutes of exercise yeah. on a ninja course on the night. When you break it down, it's actually really not that much that you have to do in comparison to the training sessions we do every single week. It's pretty much the same thing. It's just on a bigger scale. There's cameras. It's late at night. The mental side's a lot harder. But I think physically, it's really not crazy. So um, I just keep it simple for myself. I think I'd be too afraid and it would, it would affect me mentally yeah. if I all of a sudden thought, I'm going to cut out coffee this week. I'm going to now take some gels to help me with my this. I'm going to take some like, yeah. all this random stuff that people think they need to do. I think mentally, I'd go, oh, is this the right thing? And it would kind of wig me out. Yeah. So I just stay casual. I think that's what the Melbourne boys yeah. do. They just do whatever they want to do, knowing that, that they feel normal doing that, yeah. um, if that makes sense. So, yeah, 100%. With the mindset, so like, as you mentioned, you do local comps and there's national comps as well, which people might not know that watch the show that like, they, they've got all these like leagues, which are ninja leagues as well on the side. But how does that differ versus like the mindset of you've got cameras in your face, you don't know when you're going to be on. Um, they're almost like you've got that anxiety build up, like especially when I was there on season two, they kind of almost create that anxiety build up. You can't go to watch this. You can't go to the toilets by yourself. And it's like yeah, yeah. building up. How do you find that differing to local comps and things when it comes down to mindset? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a good point. As, as you just mentioned, you know, uh, cause you've gone through that. I, I imagine you've felt, uh, and I feel like the first season of doing Ninja, whether it's season one, two, three, four, whatever it is, your first season, you're always going to have the most anxiety because yeah. everything's new, everything's fresh, especially if it's, I'm assuming it's the first TV show of any sort that you've done. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so like there's the competition aspect, which is nerve wracking. And then there's just the mm. TV aspect, which is actually more anxiety inducing, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I find that that's one thing that people that watch the show don't see and don't notice, um, which I learned over season one and season two, well, all seasons, which really made me move from, I just need to train physically hard and stronger and get stronger and shift from that. That, that was like 90% of it, 10% mental, to then now it's like 60, 70% mental and the rest is the kind of physical aspects. Um, because I've realized that, we can all it's, it's i use the analogy like if i put a plank of wood on the ground and told you to walk across it no dramas but yeah. i put that same plank of wood 10 stories up and all of a sudden yeah. it's terrifying and you're probably going to stuff it up and it's really the same thing with the show you training you'll be smashing through things you'll be doing through things no worries and then as soon as you go to a local comp 
it's a little bit more nerve wracking. The mental side comes in. Like that's the only thing that changes is, is yeah. your mindset. Everything else is the same. You might be training on that course at Ninja Academy or wherever for the month prior and you're doing the run over and over again, practicing or whatever. And then all of a sudden it means something because people tell you it's a competition. It means something and your mind changes. And that's the hardest thing to control. And it has the biggest impact on your overall outcome. Um, so yeah, I think I remember reading a book called the art of mental training, funnily enough. And the guy used the analogy of, uh, or he got all of the sports players to kind of sit down and, and he said, all right, close your eyes and visualize uh, your worst performance in your chosen sport. Just like try and think of that worst performance. Yeah, cool. Got that. All right, now try and think of that same sport, but the best performance you've ever had, you know, and really feel those feelings and imagine that and visualize it. And then ask yourself, what was the biggest difference between that worst and that best performance? Um, and then he asked, was it physical or was it mental? And about 80% of the people all put their hand up and said, it was mental. I was just, I had a bad day or whatever it was, you know, and it, it made me really think about it myself and go, man, that's crazy. Like I'm so focused on just getting strong and getting like, oh, I've got this. Maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. Um, maybe I need to focus on mindset. And then comes the question, how do you work on mindset? Like it's so hard, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a hard thing. Like if you want to get stronger, you go, go and do a bar, you know, go to a bar and do some pull-ups or some push-ups. Yeah. Um, but to train your brain is a lot different. And then we're still figuring out different ways to do that. Um, but uh, there's some core things which I learned, like, um, visualization was definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, learning, learning that. So watching the course, looking at the course and then going back. And the first thing I'll do nowadays is, um, and for season four, I'll give you, I'll kind of, uh, paint a picture for you in season four. So the season that just happened, we filmed in February and March. Right. Yeah. So at this point in time in season four, my mind's pretty good. Like I know what I need to do to try and get myself ready. And I'm standing there, uh, on the final night and um, we just finished stage two and there was four of us left, which is myself, Matt Bowles, Charlie Robbins and Zach Stoltz. And there's four of us left and it's maybe about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning at this point. It's getting kind of late. As you know, it, it does get late on the show. And um, I had this massive adrenaline dump of completing stage two. Mm. Like, I pumped up, yeah, yeah, sweet. And you get through the course and you're like this big moment fireworks and you're like, yes, I've made it further than I've ever made it before. And now I'm in the top four athletes. I'm one in four chance to win $100,000 uh, or, or $400,000 if yeah. you complete the mountain as well. And so this massive adrenaline dump hits and I just feel exhausted and almost like I'm going to have a, some sort of panic attack because uh, you get so hyped and then you need to calm yourself down all of a sudden. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. And then we go and see stage three and there's four of us and it's like cold, we're all rugged up, like super late at night. And we're looking at the stage, we're learning the rules. And then the first thing I'll do immediately is go back into the green room. And at this point we're all separated into four different rooms because if I were to see where Matt Bowles got or Zach got, I know mentally I just have to either get past that or get there faster than he did and I could win $100,000, right? And I think that's super unfair. So we all agreed to be separated into rooms. So I go back in my room. It's just me and this other random guy that works for production um, looking after me. Um, and I'll just kind of uh, sit there almost like in a meditative state, um, close my eyes, cover them with something and just like 
picture everything that I just witnessed the course tester uh, yeah. and the rules instructor tell me like straight away, as soon as I can, I'll go on back and do that while it's fresh in my mind. Um, and for me, what I've learned is that locks in visually, I almost plan what I'm going to do exactly. Right. So then when I do it in real life, it doesn't feel like it's the first time. Yeah. Um, and scientifically that has been proven uh, to actually be a really successful way to increase your chances of performing well, you know, athletes all the way to the best basketball players and the best soccer players still do this stuff. And it's um, almost like, like injecting flow state. Like you're yeah. working on, on that point where then that's your peak, peak performance. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. It, it really is. Um, and the first few times you do it, you feel like a complete idiot. Yeah. Um, you're kind of like sitting there and usually it's at a local comp and I'll either, I'll literally either go into the toilet somewhere mm. and I'll go, because it's a bit, you get distracted if there's people around. So I'll see it, I'll see the rules and then I'll go into the bathroom and sit there on the toilet and just like visualize myself doing the course. Yeah. Um, not just visualizing, I visualize the success and picture myself getting all the way to the end um, and feel those feelings. That's one. But mm. naturally your brain just goes into the mode of visualizing, going across balance and then you fall and you're yeah. like, no, yeah, yeah, don't you do that brain, you know, like, yeah. How do you fix that? And so that's where the training comes in, just kind of doing that over and over again to, to make sure I'm going to keep playing in this in, in my head until I visualize myself finishing, you know, take control of those thoughts. Um, so time goes on and yeah, we do, we do stage, stage three. And, and uh, you know, fortunately for me, it went ex exactly as I planned. As you say, I felt like flow state. It almost felt like I was watching myself do it as I was going through. It just felt everything went exactly as I wanted it to. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's when, when you try to visualize something and then it literally happens as you visualized, yeah. it's quite powerful and you, it makes you believe it more and more and more, which actually has those positive, positive affirmations mm. that next time you do it, it's going to help you. And you truly believe that it's going to help you. And if you believe it's going to help you, it will help you more. And it kind of in this positive snowball effect. Yeah. Um, so I want to yeah. take you a point on that stage three um, of season four and you got through um, the doors, which I know like that, that is a hard, hard obstacle. Um, mm. I, I would say knowing you, like knowing a lot of the ninjas, knowing you, you could get the rope, the rope climb on stage four quite easy, like not easy, but it, it, it's, it's within your limits of right. like X CrossFit, all of that type of stuff. Mm. Taking to the flying bars. So I want to take you back to that point where that's like, like I kind of said, that's tiny little bit of how good you are. You can have that tiny little miss yeah. <laughs> yep. in the water. Um, so taking back to there, where was your mind at? So I, you got the first one and then on the second, you've probably watched the replay billions of times, but <laughs> yeah. third, it was like just almost made it. And yeah. You almost made that decision in your head that you're like, just going to hammer the last three as quick as you can where it was like yeah. the first one was very like obviously trained and concise and perfect. And then once yep. you realize the wheels started coming off, that's when you yeah. just like hop, hop through to the yeah. end. Do you remember like that click flicking or did, was that more intuition of just what you've done with training wise and practice, practice, practice? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, so for the people listening that don't have either haven't seen that segment or whatever um, to paint a quick picture, um, it was the very final, uh, very final obstacle on the third stage right before Mount Midoriyama. And at this point in time, I'd known that Matt Bowles, who went before me, had failed. I didn't know where, but I could see the red lights go off and I knew that he failed. And I was next up. 
And I thought, if I finish this, this next obstacle right in front of me, I've got one more obstacle to go in stage three, and I can potentially lock in $100,000, maybe four hundred dollars if I do the next thing. But um, I get there, and I'm feeling really pumped. Because you say the doors were, uh, I think, right before that. I think it was right before that. Yeah. Um, and I was feeling super, super pumped in the forearms at that point. And they only get, you know, we only get 30 seconds rest in between each um, thing. And they're counting me down. And I took all 30 seconds for every single obstacle. And counting me down. And I'm kind of shaking my arms and going, all right, if I'm going to jump up here and do this obstacle, um, I can't spend too much time taking extra backswings to make sure that I get things right. I'll do it on the first one because it's new and you know, I need to just take at least yeah. a couple to really get a feel for it. But after that, I can't waste my time because my biggest regret in life would be to mm. spend too much time hanging there and then pump out. You'd rather just try and send it even if you yeah. miss it and go, oh, at least I tried. So that was kind of decision I made at that point. I jump up, I go, as you say, the first cup that I landed was like a bee's dick away from falling off on the right hand side. Um, and I, truth be told, I, I don't know if I would have noticed that had Shane Crawford on the sideline yelled something out and he was just, he just yelled it like, Whoa, watch out for that right hand side. He's about to fall off. And so I glanced over when he yelled that out and I thought, Holy smokes. I'm like, you know, one centimeter away from ending my whole season here and that quick correction. And then um, I was like, I'm going to go like my arms are going to fall off in a second. I need to move. Just like, just send it. Let's go. And so the next one, I didn't actually know I'd missed that second one and did the same thing twice in a row until I watched it with everyone else on the show on the night. I had no idea. Um, But as you, as you said earlier, um, after that, my arms were fading super, super fast and it almost hits that like next level of like adrenaline inside me. I'm gritting as hard as I can and I just got to go, go, go. And then fortunately um, I, I made it through and, uh, and landed. And uh, it was, yeah, it was a bit of an overwhelming feeling finally getting through that after so many years of trying to even get there, let alone, let alone finishing it. So for me to do that was way more rewarding than climbing Mount Wadoriyama. I know it probably sounds weird, but, yeah. That moment there was was huge for me because I knew stage three was going to be harder for me than the rope climb. Than the rope climb. Um, yeah, because stage three is not a big mentality. You know, two other athletes made it through the course where a lot of the times if you're climbing Mount Midoriyama, you're going to be by yourself because not many people finish the course. Where yep. for the first time we had three people finish, then where does yep. your mind go from that? Were you, you, were you climbing last, I'm assuming, so you knew the time you had to beat? Um, no, so so there's a few things here which changed with the editing. Yeah, so um, once I'd finished that stage three, I thought, yep, sweet, that's cool. But I knew that Charlie and Zach still had to go after me. But they put me back in the room, and luckily I got some unrest in there. Um, they put me back in the room, and um, I was sitting there thinking, did I just win a hundred thousand dollars? Like, I know I've still got Matt Midori. I was sitting there like, you know, spending the money in my head already. Like, oh yeah, no. <laughs> but I'm I'm thinking about it. But I'm also at the same time going, don't get too excited. Like, stay calm. Once again, adrenaline hit, like adrenaline dump hits. I'm like, stay calm, stay calm. And then I'm sitting there in this quiet room. And maybe like half an hour, 20 minutes later, I hear fireworks go off. And I'm like, oh, no, you're kidding me. I was like, 
these fucking boys, like I swear to God, like they're so good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd kind of locked it in. And then I heard one set of fireworks go off and another 20 minutes later, another set of fireworks went off. And I almost just like laughing to myself going, man, Zach and Charlie, they're not going to yeah. make it easy to beat them. They're just so, so good. So I knew it was like, all right, game on. Let's go onto the mountain. There's three of us there. Um, so I was actually, I was actually the first one to climb. Um, because they wanted to keep it fair from stage three. Well, I was the first to, you know, kept the same order. Um, and they told us, they said to us, what's going to happen is you're each going to climb. And when you get to the top and you hit the buzzer, you won't know what time you've got, but if it's under 30 seconds, fireworks will go off. And if it's over 30 seconds, the red lights will go on. And that's all you'll know. And we were like, okay. Um, and they said, and then once it's all over, if there's more than one of you who have done under 30, then we'll announce the winner when you're all standing next to each other yeah. later in the night. And we thought, okay, well, that's cool. <clears throat> to be honest, even if I knew what times the other guy, guys did, it's not like I'm going to go, oh, damn. Yeah, I guess I'm going to climb even faster now. Yeah. Than, you know? You're just going to absolutely send it regardless of what happens. So, um, but yeah, I, I was first to go and, and I knew that I'd trained rope climb a fair bit for this one moment. Um, and all of those days training with Olivia, my partner Olivia, and training it, um, it's kind of a hard thing to get motivated for because you know it's the final stage and you have to do everything else, which in a year lead up, no one had even done everything else yet. So for that, all of that year leading up to season four, I was kind of like, why am I practicing rope climb? Like, yeah. what are the chances of me actually getting there? Like no one's even got there before. Um, but uh, at the same time, the motivation was, my biggest regret in life would be to get to the rope climb and go, I should have trained, you know, like I just never wanted to feel that feeling. So um, I'm glad that I, that I trained it. And um, I guess watching... it's an obstacle that you always know that's there as well. In the end, it's like, yeah. you don't know all the other obstacles, but that's the one that's consistent true. throughout every single yeah. season. Yeah, that's very true. That is very true. Um, and uh, I remember watching Zach and Charlie, it was about 10 minutes after, before we went climbing. We were like warming up on some bars and stuff because it'd been a little bit about an hour since we all did say three and Zach and Charlie have found this like five meter thin rope. And they're literally standing there trying to like work out how to climb the rope about 10 minutes before they attacked me out with the Oriyama. And I'm not looking at them going, boys, I've trained for 12 months for this. You've <laughs> trained for like 12 minutes before. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just ridiculous. So uh, yeah, I, I was first to climb and I went up there and um, I felt good. I felt good on the climb. I hit the buzzer and the fireworks went off, which, which I wasn't surprised because I, I felt like I went pretty fast. Um, however, my immediate thought was, oh man, my arms aren't as pumped as I thought they would be. I wonder if I should have maybe gone a little harder. Like I was a little bit worried that it wasn't fast enough, even though I knew it was under 30. Um, and then watching Zach Stoltz go, which actually, I don't know if you know this, but when Zach climbed, the rope and he got to the top because he was second to climb the red lights went off and they were like oh sorry you didn't do it under 30 and he was like oh no 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 yeah. and um we we're a bit like oh that's a shame and then they checked the footage again um because the time they have on the night is not exactly as the time is it's kind of like a very close reference yeah and he was so close to under 30 that they go oh we've actually re reviewed the footage and from the time that your fit left the floor to the time you hit the buzzer was actually under 30 so we need to get you to climb back down the rope about five meters 
and then climb the final five meters again and hit it and celebrate as if you've done it for the first time. So a bit of TV magic there. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm glad they did that because if he climbed under 30, I'm glad they kind of uh, acknowledged that. It's, yeah. it's a positive thing. Um, and then to watch Charlie do it and just like standing there and Charlie's just like, just so casual, you know, just chilling there. All right, three, two, one, go. And he's going, he's going fast. He's going faster. And he's just sending it up this rope. And I'm like shitting my pants at this point going, oh no, it's all come down to this. And I'm about to get beaten by Charlie Robinson who just practiced rope climbing 10 minutes before you, you know, got it. Um, and then when they announced it, we're all standing there next to each other, like maybe 20 minutes later. Um, and it's like the most terrifying feeling I've ever had in my life, standing there next to these two guys and about to find out if you'd won the whole show and, and the title on $400,000 was pretty nerve wracking. Um, so when it finally, um, uh, well, they, they went to announce it the first time and they go, and the, win- they, and the winner is, and they go quiet as always. And then someone from, from production goes, hold on, wait, now there's a helicopter going over above. And I was like, what is it? What's going on? Like this helicopter doesn't know what moment in my life it's on right now. Um, but yeah, so they went through again and then they announced my name, uh, which is the moment I officially found out. And, and uh, yeah, and then I found out it was, it was literally down to one second, down to the millisecond difference between me and Charlie. So um, yeah, so it was good, but it was bittersweet because yeah. I have so much love for those guys and to, to take it from Charlie by one second kind of hurt a little bit. So, you know, I, t- I talked to them a lot after then about, you know, um, certain yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just offer them some tips for season five. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, so it's good. Takes us to like with having Olivia by your side as well. Is that helped you push? Because um, I know like comp prep couples are always more successful. Um, having someone mm. there to obviously she's a beast as well, um, mm. just as much as you are. And just having someone that relies, obviously your relationship's going to have ebbs and flows as well, but having someone that's going to understand why you're putting so much in, why you're training through this, why you're watching what you eat and doing that along with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, Olivia's phenomenal. She really is. And, and she has had every single year for Ninja, she's bested herself the, the you know from the prior year so she just keeps getting better and better and i think this year she come sixth overall out of all men and women um to make top six it's just like crazy good and she's making it harder for me to beat her every year as well you know like i get shit from everyone when you get beaten by your girlfriend in the one sport which i consider myself good at um so yeah it's really good to have her there though uh, you know we met after season one uh, between season one and season two uh, at ninja academy and you know, uh, to have someone which is one stays active, which is which is a huge benefit, um, keeps me motivated. But then, to do the same, exact same sport and be very very good at it, is just like the best training partner um, mm. I could ever uh, ever hope for, to be honest. And it, uh, yeah, there's as you say, relationships. There's ebbs and flows and everything. Um, but I find that it's really nice to have someone where if I've had a shit time or the train, not, I'm not motivated to train or whatever it might be to have that person, which is like, come on, let's go. We got season four coming up. Yeah. What are you doing? Get off the couch. Let's go rope climb. You know, you need, need to do it. And, um, and she's got, she's got so much belief in me 
that I can do well, then I could win the whole thing, especially leading up to season four. And I could see that from her. Um, she really, really believed like, you can do this, you can do everything. Um, but I feel like sometimes she might lack that a little bit within herself yeah. to maybe necessarily win the whole thing, um, which is which is understandable because, I mean, to win the whole thing is is not easy and there's certain requirements, especially when it comes down to the rope climb. I think that's the only thing she would ever un come unstuck on right now. Mm. Um, I think she'd be fine with all stages, stage two, three, everything up to the rope climb. But that rope climb is not easy. And I'm a tall guy with powerful arms and movements, um, which she doesn't necessarily have in her back pocket. She, she has a lot of really good body awareness, crazy good body awareness, mobility um, and coordination and stuff like that. But she doesn't have the power and I think it's it's yeah. hard, unfortunately, for females just because of the just because of our, uh, our our body types and the way we are. Um, women just naturally won't have that same raw power that men will have, or they'll have to work way harder to get it. And when it comes to something like a rope climb, you can have awesome technique, but you need to have strong, powerful arms to be able to just go, 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 and do fifty moves in a row without pumping out. Um, so she can work towards it and she'll get there and she's getting closer and closer and closer. But I just think that there's that little bit in the back of her mind, which doesn't a hundred percent believe that she can get that rope just yet. Mm. Um, but that's why it comes back to the partnership of, of both that's of us. You can support her as well on that. that exactly. Point. Yeah. Yeah. So when she's feeling a little bit down about her abilities, you know, I'm there to, to remind her that she is um, one of the best athletes overall in Australia and the whole world. And certainly the best female in Australia. Um, and uh, which actually brings me to, I would love to see more females on the show to jump in there and, and hit some buzzers, you know, like I know there's so many women out there which are capable and we've already got a lot of really good uh, female athletes, but I think over the last couple of years, it just hasn't kind of come good for them um, uh, overall. I, I don't know what that is, but we just haven't seen as many buzzers being hit and courses completed or women in, the grand, I think Olivia's the only woman in the grand final ever over four years. So yeah. I'm excited to see that. And I think I would love, Olivia would love that as well yeah. for someone to kind of push her a little bit further. Um, but at the same time, uh, I don't want to separate men and women. And I've always told Olivia, she's at the stage now where she needs to stop necessarily thinking about uh, women, women, women. I'm doing it for the girls. I'm doing yeah. it for that which is awesome. It's really positive stuff, but she is at the stage where if, if you do this, if you come sixth in the whole entire competition out of men and women, I think you need to consider that you actually, you're now, you're right up there with, with the boys and, and, and the girls. And um, you need to be, she needs to be comparing herself to the Geordie Papandreas and the Ashlyn Herberts and the, and all of those people. Um, so yeah, it's just a mindset shift. I think is, is all it is. But, yeah. And that gives us to the last question that, if you had a blank ninja going in season five coming up um, is a blank canvas. What would be the top three things that you would say, okay, you need this to become the next Australian ninja warrior. Oh um, yeah. So I guess three basic fundamentals that immediately come to mind. Uh, uh, and that might be obvious. We've talked about it a lot, but um, would be, I would say 60% mindset, 20%, coordination and 20% strength. Um, and that's like a really simple black and white answer. There's a lot more intricacies within that, but I find 
initially, like that, that's the ultimate ninja, I guess. That's what you're aiming to be, that kind of well-rounded. But for people maybe just starting out, um, I would say uh, the, the, the main thing to focus on for me, for, for any sport really, is just to make sure you enjoy it, first of all. And for, and for anyone listening that wants to do ninja or sees it, um, I think there can be a lot of it. There can be a quite a high a mental barrier and quite a high barrier for entry for people to start considering doing Ninja Warrior mm. um, because it does look quite difficult and it's pushed out to the world to go check out these amazing athletes. And that can unfortunately be quite intimidating for people that like the idea of doing it. Yeah. Um, they go, Oh, well, I, I'm not that good. I, I, I'm not that, you know, I can't do that. And it sucks because we want to bring more people into the sport and show them that that's just one you know, you're seeing the best of the best on that TV show when in reality, the whole community and group of people and the local comps, it's all about just having fun, going out, learning new skills, um, feeling like a bit of a fool from time to time when you can't get some basic obstacle, but then learning that and uh, coming back the next day or the next week or whatever it is. And finally getting through that obstacle. Um, I think it's, it's so incredibly rewarding. I imagine it's like um, a bodybuilder, you know, either, hitting a new PB with a bench press or, or, you know, and that feeling of like, I never thought I could do this and look at me now, you know, like Jake six months ago was benching this and now he's benching this. Like what the hell happened in the past six months? Mm. Um, and it's that journey to get there, which is so rewarding because it's just a gift that keeps on giving. Um, mm. And that's what, that's what Ninja is to me. It's just, it's this never ending sea of obstacles and problems to, to overcome. And every time you overcome it, you get that dopamine hit, that rush, and that's awesome feeling. And the side benefit is you also get incredibly fit and you join an awesome community of people, uh, which are super crazy supportive. So it's just a, it's a win, win, win um, all around. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to see more people join the sport and uh, hit the TV show up. I'd love to see you on the TV show again. Is that something you would do or? Hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll see. I, I... I was during on. Oh, no, I was meant to be in last season, but during the heat, I was in India. So I've always oh, like always that's around my tra- travel season and comps and things like that. So we'll see. Maybe season five. <laughs> yeah, they, they. I think they just opened yeah, up applications for season five. Yeah. So if anyone's listening and wants to yeah. join, jump on. Um, that would be awesome. But uh, are you looking at season five? Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely yeah. looking at season. Five. Um, it's a good question, actually, because my mind's gone back and forth between it. Because, um, uh, yeah, like you, everyone likes to end on top yep. uh, on a high. But I don't think my journey. I don't think my journey's over yet. I think um, I love it too much, and I want to go and yeah. just you know get that consistency, back it up, and and do my best. Uh, but I, I will admit there'll be a that pressure. Yeah, that pressure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a little, just a little bit. Um, so I have to control that, I guess. Standing on, standing on the stage in the very first steps on state on the qualifying round, I think that's the most fear I feel every year, is standing there in the first obstacle, just because you need to shake the cobwebs off a little bit. And sometimes it takes, you know, three or four obstacles to go. Okay, I feel better now. But that first one and that 10 seconds before the qualifying thing goes off is probably the most fear-filled 10 seconds I ever feel in my life at the moment. So I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't want to see uh, Ben Paulson come off in hit, hit, hit one. No. <laughs> no. Ninja, so no. It's going to be amazing me. to watch. And ho- hopefully we are 
link pass on maybe season season five. That I would be awesome, mate. Though, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we're right. Um, no, it's been good. Where can people reach out? Where can they follow you? Where can they find your journey and follow you along for the next rest of yeah, your um, life? Yeah, look, all social media is really just my name, which is yep. Ben Polson, uh, P-O-L-S-O-N. Um, yeah, I've been kind of, you know, all the usual Instagram, TikTok. i loving my TikTok at the moment. Um, and then, uh, yeah, a lot of YouTube videos as well. I want to push more of the YouTube stuff because it's... Yep. Uh, I enjoy that and I can tell more of a story rather than like 10 seconds of entertainment on yeah. Uh, Instagram. But yeah, and man. It's, um, if you're still reaching out, but did you have a Ninja course at some point in time? Yeah. So if people do want to learn um, more about the fundamentals of Ninja Warrior, um, my partner, Olivia and I have a course called the Ninja Blueprint, uh, which you can just Google Ninja Blueprint and it, and it will come up and it will really just teach people or help them understand uh, a few basic exercises and mindset things that they can work on um, at home, uh, which is the, the biggest benefit as long as you can, or you can just find a bar at a park somewhere and it'll help, um, which will really, really help people if they want to get into Ninja Warrior and aren't quite sure where to start or don't have a local gym nearby and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, perfect. Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge, the champ in the house. <laughs> so hopefully everyone takes that on and becomes their best self in Ninja Warrior. Thanks guys for another insane podcast. That one was insane. We went super deep into Ben's mindset and then how he performs on the big stage when there are TVs and lights around. So hopefully you guys did take a lots of that out. As always, follow along. If you've got any people you'd like to hear on the podcast or anything like that, shoot me a message. Jake underscore Abel underscore official on Instagram is the best place to reach me. Until next time, guys.